Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our country feels like it's being torn apart because of race relations, as if COVID-19 wasn't enough. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun continues the word on racial tensions in America with this sermon called Soma. You know, these are difficult times. COVID-19, a horrible disease, has destroyed cities and livelihood. And recently, another virus that can be just as fatal has been more intensely revealed, the virus of racial injustice that has for centuries been destroying people and their cities and livelihood. This second topic has caused a great deal of discussion in our community and in our church. And some of it has been hurtful, some of it heated, much of it has been helpful, some of it has been healing and reconciling. This is going to be a Papa Bear talk. I want to talk to you straight from my heart to clear the air on some things and to help us navigate through the important discussion about racial injustice. Now more than ever is a time for grace and mercy and civility for all. Now more than ever is a time to muster all of the maturity of our faith and our commitment to Jesus Christ to walk this earth as he walked. Now, I might get hate mail after this sermon. I already have after my recent congregational letter I sent out to you, but I'm not going to back down, not on this issue. But if you're going to disagree with me, which is fine, free speech, but listen carefully to what I'm going to say, not what you think I am saying, but what I'm actually saying. I'm happy to be the senior pastor, your shepherd of this church for more than 25 years. I was an associate pastor at this church for five years. This church is a cross-cultural, racially mixed church. You won't find many churches in the nation like ours. Caucasians are a significant percentage of our church membership. In fact, I jokingly tell my friends on the mainland that I pastor an ethnic minority church as Caucasians are a minority in this state. And I realize that for a non-white pastor to lead a church that is about 50% white is unheard of in America, very rare. I call it as I see it. I will defend any ethnic group that is in the minority as the Caucasians make up today about 25% of the Hawaii population according to the last census. When Promise Keepers rolled into town back in the 90s, they asked me to speak on racial reconciliation at the Blaisdell Arena. 6,000 men poured in for days of worship and teaching. And when it was my turn to speak on my assigned topic, I challenged the non-white men to stop being racist to the whites. I felt at times the locals would, as we say here, talk stink about the Caucasians. I believe that often the majority culture will always give the minority culture a hard time. Promise Keepers said they had never had a speaker take on non-whites to be more loving to whites. Pastor Steve Page was there at that conference some 25 years ago, and he will attest that after that talk, local brothers went up to Steve and said, Hey, sorry, huh? Sorry, man. People changed. To be clear, racial injustice is not uniquely a white 
problem. It's a problem that all cultures exhibit, especially when a certain people are in the majority. It is part of the sin virus that is in us all. The Bible says that in a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church, for all, all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every culture, every ethnicity has sinned and fallen short. Every culture. Are there indicators of this sin in us? Yes. Unless you think you're perfect. As for race, do we think certain groups are not as smart or as worthy as we? This is not an exclusive black versus white problem. Even within white culture or Asian cultures, certain minority ethnicities can be looked down upon whether Japanese or Okinawan or Portuguese or Polish or Serbian versus Croatian or Turkish versus Armenian. In Africa, the Hutus versus the Tutsis. Even within the Chinese community during the Cultural Revolution, it was the Chinese communists versus the so-called Chinese intelligentsia and millions died. There were cultural differences even between the Chinese that caused so many to be executed and murdered. And we can hear about Black Lives Matter and say, well, what about our ethnic variety? Why don't all lives matter? The point is that until we figure out how we really make Black Lives Matter, we will never get to All Lives Matter. For some, we can get frustrated when we hear that Black Lives Matter, uh, for we can interpret it to mean that only Black Lives Matter. I don't count as a non-black. And of course, in God's eyes, everyone counts. But it's a perspective of how do we help one another instead of complaining? Well, why should I be my brother's keeper? Which is what Cain said after he killed his brother Abel. If, for example, Brother Kimo's house is on fire, we shouldn't say, well, what about my house? What about my house? The point is that your house is not on fire like Uncle Kimo's, and we need to help put out his fire. When we do a Compassion Sunday to help kids in poverty in other countries, no one says, Dan, all lives matter. What about the American kids? At that point, as Jesus would say, focus on those who are oppressed and in greater need for justice. What does the Bible say? I'm going to talk briefly about three passages. First, the Apostle Paul in the book of the Acts of the early Christians says this. And remember back then, there was a lot of strife in the early church and they needed to get along. All these different cultures were coming into the church. So he wrote them this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hen, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the hand say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is it not true that when you accidentally hammer your thumb, the whole body shivers in pain, the mouth might yell and even swear, and the ear says, what you yelling about? And the eye looks at the thumb and sees blood and swelling, and the mouth screams, oh my gosh, look at my thumb. And the, and the arm shakes and the leg might even get weak kneed. The whole body might go into shock. When one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer with it. We are connected. As followers of Jesus, we need to realize that there is a part of the body that is suffering greatly. And as a society, we need to help it out with a better system for all. It's liberty and justice for all, not for a privileged few, but for all. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should help out, and it will help us all out. Followers of Jesus should be saying, God, use me for a purpose greater than myself. The title of this sermon is Soma. Now, why did I pick that title? Soma is the Greek word for body. Greek was the language of the New Testament when it was written. Now, God wants to remind us over and over again that we are to be one body, soma. We are all connected. And the Bible passage said that the weaker members of the body are not indispensable. And the Bible says those members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. So if there is a people who are not being respected, we must honor them with greater respect. Now hang in there. Let me do Bible passage number two. No worry, it's all going to come together in the end. Now this one is about an apostle named Philip meeting a black man. And, well, let me read it to you. 
It's from the eighth chapter of Acts, starting with verse 26. It says this, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He, meaning Jesus, was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's, there's some water. Why, why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Now here's what this passage is saying. Be open to the Spirit. Be open to listen. Be open to knowing the Word. And be open to a life like Jesus. So the first point. Be open to the Spirit. This passage has kind of a mystical beginning. An angel tells Philip to go to a place at a certain time, but he doesn't know why. And have you ever had that feeling that God tells you to go to a certain place, but you're not sure why? Sometimes I feel God tells me to go somewhere, and all I hear in my head is, be alert. Be alert. God might want you to see something, someone. Might be a, a waiter, a stranger. Be alert. Philip didn't know why he was to go on that road from Jerusalem to Gaza, but he was alert. And then the Holy Spirit told him to follow and walk near a certain carriage on the road. Be alert. Why am I doing this? Lord, what's up? Then the Holy Spirit tells Philip to walk near a, 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 that carriage that is going the same direction as he. So the second point is, be open to listen. As Christians, we should always have one ear to the Holy Spirit and one ear of what is going on near us. Be alert. Philip goes down a road, as God told him to, and he sees an Ethiopian treasurer of the Queen of Ethiopia who, who's traveling down the same road. 
this guy is an important dude. I mean, the Bible mentions that he has great authority. He's kind of like the chief financial officer for the queen of Ethiopia. And Philip is not sure what to do yet until he listens and he hears this CFO of the queen reading the book of Isaiah. If he weren't paying attention, if he weren't listening, he would have missed his purpose. And maybe the CFO was in a covered wagon or maybe higher up on a coach. And so Philip paying attention and actually hearing the reading above the clackety clack of the wheels was crucial to this story. Friends, now more than ever, we need to be listening. Followers of Jesus Christ need to be listening to people's different viewpoints of what is going on in our country. Unfortunately, our news shows are teaching us not to listen. If you have two or more guests on a show who disagree, then we witness them often interrupting and not listening. There's not a give and a take, and you never see anyone say, you know, maybe you're right. I might be wrong. Let me think about that. Or, hmm, you have a point. I don't see that, do you? It's not a civil discussion. And oftentimes news shows of all persuasions are, are teaching us and our children to interrupt and argue and just foist our opinions or prejudices on others. And it becomes a win-lose situation, not a come, let us reason process. As you may have discussions with people about this whole racial injustice matter, I believe what will make Christians stand out for the good is when we are good listeners, summarizers, clarifiers of conversation, and we really try to understand the other person's point of view. I think too often, while someone is talking, we are coming up with our three points of rebuttal, and so we are not listening to a new way of thinking, and maybe sometimes we just want to solidify our own thinking, but then we never learn. You know about homeschooling, which is good, but if we don't listen to others, then it's called me-schooling, where we are only the student and the only teacher. Now, here's the problem with trying to understand the racial injustice issue. You ready for this? This is Papa Bear talking straight turkey. When some people hear the phrase, Black Lives Matter. They don't hear Black Lives Matter. They hear the phrase in their heads, only Black Lives Matter. Last Sunday, Chris talked about protest signs that have too many words on them. But sometimes they're the best signs. Now, here's a sign with too many words. It says this. We said Black Lives Matter. We never said only Black Lives Matter. We know all lives matter, but black lives are in danger. So when you and I hear the phrase black lives matter, don't change it in your mind to only black lives matter, because that's not the message. Here's a second sign with too many words. Matter is the minimum. This says, matter is the minimum. Black lives are worthy. Black lives are beloved. Black lives are needed. 
Now, who would argue with that? But again, again, if you hear yourself saying, yeah, but my life matters, my life is worthy, my life is beloved, my life is needed, yes. But society has not given the black community the justice and opportunity that others have had. We are called to mourn with those who mourn. This is not about stepping into a tragedy and assigning blame. We're talking about systems of oppression, not about what one racial group did something wrong. Third point, be open to knowing God's word. Philip was teaching the eunuch the word, know the Bible. Now, more than ever, we're going to, we are going to talk about racial injustice and understanding and what makes a good society and how God views justice, not how we view justice, but how God views justice. If that's the case, then we have to know what the word, the Bible says. Chris preached last week and quoted Amos 5.24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We should all know what that means. That's what discipleship is about, learning the ways of Jesus and how to live like him. Righteousness is a precious word for us in Hawaii. It's in our state motto. The life of the land is perpetuated in righteousness, which we know in Hawaiian uh, as pono. But pono always meant not only having a right relationship with fellow humans, but also a right relationship with the one true God. If we take the Bible seriously, it will help us with our own prejudices or racism, and we will want to be peacemakers, not dividers. Because here is the big secret. All of us are probably prejudiced in some way. White, non-white, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, what, whatever, locals, non-locals. We just might not know it. And it's the Word and the Holy Spirit that corrects and compels us to have a heart that is honest and alert to our own views of life. Let the Word inform us and transform our culture. Don't let culture transform our understanding of the Word. And sometimes I think people watch more cable news or listen to political podcasts or read links than read the Bible. Let the Bible inform our thinking and not the news. If you calculate all the time every day we watch or read or listen to the news and compare that to immersing yourself in the good news of the Bible, which one wins? Is there a huge imbalance? Now, come on now, be truthful. Let the Word inform us of how to treat and view people. When a family says, you can marry anyone but not of that color, that might not just be a compatibility issue, but a racist issue. A little tangent here, you know what is funny, in, in my family, every single one of my siblings and every single one of my wife Pam's siblings have married someone who is not of our race. Every one of them, no exception. That's seven of our brothers and sisters. And they, they mostly all married uh, Caucasians. Uh, my, my family is united 
nations. My my sister married a Caucasian from Michigan. My brother married a Caucasian from California who was raised on the Big Island and who has American Indian blood from two tribes in her. Uh, Pam's four sisters have, have married men of a variety of ethnicities, German and Basque, and Irish, Korean, Jewish, Argentinian, and a tiny bit African for one. So please hear clearly when I say we need to get our show together in terms of racial justice, I truly mean we and our. Don't hear it as you white people or black people need to get your show together. Man, if I believe that, in my family, my beloved relatives would throw me into a vat of deep, hot, sweet and sour soup. The Chinese guy is outnumbered. And by the way, it's not lost to me that one of the four policemen who didn't help George Floyd was an Asian. So I do mean we all need to get our stuff together. But clearly, we need to know what the Bible says about race relations and what it says about justice, especially for those who may look different from us. And finally, the fourth point is this. Be open to a life like Jesus. And let's share the real gospel, not with our blind spots, but what the real gospel says, that Jesus Christ, who was the object of injustice, can lead us to build a world of justice and racial equality. God's hope is that we would be like Philip, to be a people who would be led by the Holy Spirit and listen to people and then share the good news of Jesus at the appropriate time. My son Dylan says, notice that Philip is instructed by the angel to go where the eunuch is, not to wait for him at a spot. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring the eunuch to Philip. The angel commands Philip to go to where the eunuch is in his chariot, in the eunuch's setting. In the same way, God is instructing us to simply go and be where our black brothers and sisters are with them in this. Not to wait for them to come to us or to wait until a convenient time, but to go and be in conversation with them and to reside in that place of mourning and discomfort with them, to mourn with those who mourn. That's all this is. It's that simple. And we do this because this is what Jesus did. The gospel story is that the Father sent Jesus to be where we are. And even though we didn't deserve it, and even though a king usually summons others to come to him, but Jesus in his humility wanted to show us what it means to love and serve others and that he left his heavenly place to come and be amongst us and he voluntarily placed himself underneath the knee of injustice to bear our sin and shame. If Jesus, a perfect man who lived a perfect life, was willing to die for us, how much more so should us sinners follow after him and share our lives with others in the same way? It has nothing to do with the picking the right side of a, of a moral or, or political issue and everything to do with love. Jesus was also among the sinners, not because it was the right thing to do, but simply because he loved them. And when we do things like that, the people of First Pres become peacemakers, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones that God will call his children. Jesus' brother named James has a great quote where he wrote, When peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. We certainly need people to plant seeds and harvest justice. What will you do? You know, sometimes in secular movies, there can be a line that stands out. In the movie Batman Begins, my favorite line is what the character Rachel Dawes says to Bruce Wayne before he becomes Batman. She says this great line. It's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines you. You can have all this head knowledge of the Bible underneath. You might have the best attendance record in church and attending Christian conferences and Bible studies, but it's what you do that defines you. Are you loving in your lifestyle to all people? One of my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quotes is, we may have all come on different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. I say we are all one body of Christ. We are Soma. I close with this final passage. You heard it recently, uh, last week with Chris, but let's look at it again. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, but it could be my words to you all from the first eight verses of Philippians. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing of the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In case you missed it, let me underline it. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, as we sang at the beginning of this service, the King of Kings, who is God Almighty, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Did you hear that? A slave. Jesus, who is infinitely higher than we, went lower so that he could push up people higher. So even if you were to think about racial injustice, or even if you think a certain people are lower than you, as followers of Jesus, you are to go lower than they so you can help them go higher. That is the way of a follower of Jesus Christ. We all want equality. We don't need superiority. We don't say, well, what about us? My life matters. No, we follow a Jesus who chose not even to be equal to the Heavenly Father, but he humbled himself. Yes, humbled himself unto death for us. So even if 
even if we think we don't need to help a people, they don't deserve our help, they're not worthy, Jesus says, if you're going to bear my name, then humble yourself to help a brother or sister. Jesus is saying, changing up a popular phrase to say this instead, we go low to help someone go high. For that is what grace and mercy is all about. Even if you think you're right, can you give grace and mercy to someone else? And when we understand that, yeah, we can say black lives matter. We can say I am for equality, for gender, for the disabled. I will fight for the oppressed, the sexually abused, the, 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 the poor, the immigrant. I will go low to push other people high. Friends, our, our nation is hurting right now. And I'm here to tell you that with Jesus Christ, we can have a great mission to be peacemakers. But we're going to need the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us the supernatural power to love the unlovable, to reconcile what seems to be the irreconcilable. We will need Jesus and his words in the Bible to guide us. So for those who have not really gotten on board with Jesus yet, with the Lord, maybe you've been on the fence, I'm going to give you that chance right now to join in the journey for one of the greatest missions and adventures in the world, to follow Jesus and make this world a better place. Jesus died nailed to a cross because he couldn't breathe due to asphyxiation. He was thirsty, asked for a drink, then he died. He also died due to injustice. He was completely innocent. And what does he offer us? Not justice, if it were justice, God would blow us all away because we are sinners who deserve punishment as we continually reject him and break his commandments. No, Jesus didn't offer us justice. He offered us grace and mercy. A grace that we should offer to others. A grace that I offer to you. Jesus offers you his grace. Will you take it? He wants you to have a relationship with him. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to follow this Jesus and devote your life to him and have his Holy Spirit empower you with love and peace and patience and joy and grace and mercy, then I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Part of it will be asking for forgiveness. So get ready. Now, everyone, please join me first in this general prayer for us all. Lord, you're a great God. And when you were here on earth, you fought for justice and you yourself were a victim of an unjust court system. They hurt you so much that you couldn't breathe. And now for those who might want to pray to commit their lives to you, the God of hope and grace and mercy, we begin in humility. Join me by saying in the silence of your hearts right now, by saying now, Lord, 
sorry for ignoring you and not fully understanding you. Sorry for how our world is. Sorry that I've fallen short of true love. But thank you for dying on a cross in such a horrible, painful way for us that we might know of your love and that we might have forgiveness from you. Your sacrificial death means we can have a better life here on earth and a place in heaven with you. Thank you for your grace. So please now come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to love my enemies and fight for liberty and justice for all. In Christ's name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer, you'll see a button in the, the chat pane that says, I committed my life to Jesus. Click on that button and one of our team will reach out to you shortly to pray with you and help you in this journey of faith. And if you want, just want prayer, this might be a great time, click on the live prayer button on your screen. But my prayer and hope for us all is that we would be willing to be peacemakers and used by God to speak his love and share the gospel, the good news with others. And now may I offer you all a blessing. Uh, but before I give it, just to remind you that right after this blessing, if you want to go into a connect groups where you can discuss um, the message or whatever God has brought in your heart, look for those uh, connect groups buttons on your screen and just hit that. We'll place you in a group with some staff and um, you can have a discussion of what we talked about. Sometimes it helps to talk about these things to graft it deeper in our hearts. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his grace be upon you. May his grace shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and grace and mercy of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. See you next week. We hope you heard clearly this important message from Pastor Dan. We, as a body, cannot exclude any one part for any reason. We are all connected. And that connection is God himself. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on the online church box at our regular church service times. Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and details on our reopening. If you have any questions or any needs at all, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Danchan and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, 
stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.